am so glad to be with you today and welcome to my garage. You know, it seems like the seasons are finally starting to shift, changes in the air. We've been in this COVID pandemic, a shelter in place for two months now. Wow. And, you know, as the, the roads are getting more crowded, more people are going to the beach, many jobs are opening up. I, I'm just having this burden, which is this. Uh, let's not too hastily move out of the spiritual season we've been in. You know, you've heard me talk about that, that God has, has been doing a, a pruning or, or even maybe a, a gentle judgment. And what I've been hearing people say is that there were actually some, some really, some benefits. Now, we know that this has been a hard season, and I, I don't think there's any of us that aren't ready to move on, right? There's, there's been loss for all of us. Uh, all of us have had constrictions. We've lost freedoms. Some of you and many people we know have lost their jobs, and that's just been so heavy on our hearts. And, and even some have, have really lost health, and, and a few, even their lives, which is just heartbreaking. But I've heard many people also talking about gifts that they've had within this time. They, they, they've said that they've had more time to seek God, which is amazing. And, and so many people say more time with family and, and, and friends. And, so many have said they've enjoyed the, the slower pace. Here, here's one gift that I had is that I just had more time. You know, there's things I procrastinate. The reason I'm in my, my, my garage today is because I wanted to show you my weight system. I've, I've had this for years, basically since Steph and I got married. But when we brought it out to San Diego, when we moved here 12 years ago, it was in disrepair. And embarrassingly, it hasn't been fixed until now. Uh, many of my friends, especially if you knew me before we moved into our permanent home, you hated this thing because I, I moved 12 times and this is so massive and clunky and even dangerous to move. I mean, these huge weights that are down here and, and Joel Sanders almost knocked himself out, almost had to have stitches. He hates this thing from, from getting hit in the head. So I'm so, I'm so sorry, Joel, but here's the deal. Why did I not fix it? I, I just kept putting it off. And why? Because I could go to a gym and, and work out. But once we were forced to shelter in place, I realized this is my chance to work out. And even more importantly, I have a son, Hudson, who's going into high school, who's going into football, and it's paramount that we work out almost every day. And so I had to, I had to go and fix this. And, and so I had to finally stop procrastinating and make a decision Okay, I, I'm going to, to, I mean, there were cables everywhere. And, and here's the deal. I'm not good with my hands. And I was missing different bolts and parts. And I finally had to just hunker down and say, I'm going to find this manual online. I mean, I had to do all this searching. And then I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to the hardware store. And I'm going to take different parts and I'm going to get the right things. And then I'm going to have to go through the, the whole process of rebuilding this thing. But look, it's amazing. And we've used it every day. And it's really helped. And you know, that is what I believe is like a parable for our spiritual lives. And, and what I want to challenge us on today is to not leave this season without repairing the, the final aspects of our life or, or, or really working on some, some broken pieces that we know that we should focus on before we go back to life as normal. Let's head into the house and, and open scripture and jump into this.
So I was recently given this book by Dr. Jeremiah over at Shadow Mountain, and he said something so fascinating. He said, I can't tell you exactly how the world will look when this time of sheltering in place will be over, but I can tell you as we look through the history of numerous men and women of God, what a season of sheltering produced in their life. And then he went on to talk about how Noah, he had to shelter in the ark for a year. And then he came out and became the father of nations. He talked about Jacob and how he had to find shelter in his father-in-law's house, Laban, as he was running from his brother Esau and came out after years and became Israel, God's chosen people. He talked about Moses, how he had to find shelter in the desert for 40 years running from Pharaoh, but he came out the liberator of God's people. He goes on to talk about Ruth, how she had to find shelter as a foreigner in the land of Israel on the field of Boaz, but then became the great-grandmother of the king and the great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of, of our Savior. Going on and talking about how Paul, the, the murderer, went into shelter after his dynamic encounter and came out transformed from three years of sheltering in the Arabian desert. And, and, and finally, even the disciples, how at the fear of losing their lives after Jesus was crucified, had to shelter in the upper room. And that's where God visited and the power of the Holy Spirit came out and they literally went out and turned the world upside down. You know, there's this great precedent of God using these sheltering times, these, these times that are narrow, these times that feel like there's pressure and, and pruning and intensity and, and, and limits to shape us into who we're called to be. I've been talking about that a lot in this Thrive at Home series, but my plea with you is don't leave this time without apprehending all that God has for you. Now, another thing that this shelter at home has afforded me is just more time to pray. I haven't had to get my kids off to school as early. I haven't been driving to the office. And, and, and honestly, there's a lot of things I haven't been able to do. I haven't been able to meet with so many people like I usually do. But I have been able to pray for you. And as I've been praying for you and just asking, God, won't you do in our people, in our spiritual family, all you're wanting to do? And then simultaneously going through the Gospels. I've really been camping out in the Gospels. I've seen these, these five practices that Jesus calls us to. I, I think these are like the, the core practices that he's calling his church into. That when we do these things, we both experience the abundant life and we're equipped and empowered to change the world. Before I go into that, though, let me, let me just share one more story with you. I think all of us want to find our purpose. We, we all want to lock in on what's, what's the thing I'm going to do with my life. I remember when I was a young man, I, I was really feeling called to be a pastor. And so I, I locked in, like, I am ready to be Pastor Robert. And people are going to call me Pastor Robert. And I'm going to say, how can I pastor you, my, my pastoral flock? And and I had this experience where I really kind of had to go into a sheltering time because I met with, with my leader, my senior pastor, and he told me, Robert, you're not ready for this. Your, your character's not ready. It's going to be more time. And it was devastating for me. And 
it was a loss for me because it was something I put my hope in. And, and I remember going the next day on a walk to spend time with God. And I, I was lamenting. I was saying, God, I, I thought I had the right, I thought I had the right um, goal. I thought I was headed towards the right thing. And I felt like the Lord said, do you want your life mission statement? I said, yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. Of course I do. And it was interesting. He gave me these several simple practices from scripture. And after he unpacked, I mean, these profoundly simple practices, he said, Robert, if you'll do these things, no matter what your job is, you will be successful in my kingdom. You know, here's what I know about the average person. They change careers five to seven times in their life. I, I think about women, how, how that's not just the case for you, but then how many transitions you go through, even more dramatic than, than men. And if you're putting your identity in a career, a life stage, a, a relationship, a location you live in, uh, that's shaky ground. But when we put our, our um, understanding of our true purpose in the practices that we find in the gospel, there is such a joy released and, and there's such a fulfillment in knowing we're living out God's design. So, so as I've been praying for you every day and as I've been seeing these things, there was a simple kind of crafted prayer that's coming. I, I want to share with you what it is. And then I quickly want to, want to out, outline that today for you and, and, and ask you to lay hold of these things before the season shifts, while we still have time. I've been praying daily for you that you would love liberally that you would give generously, that you would pray persistently, that you would proclaim proudly, and that you would disciple diligently. Let's jump in for the first one, and let me quickly outline these. Love liberally. The Bible says this. Jesus has this exchange with this religious leader. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, Of all the commands, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I believe that this is the, the point, uh, the tip of the spear for what God's wanting to do in our life. Like we've been in this pruning. We've had so many things stripped away. Here's what I found even before this. It was like God was giving me a, a little forewarning. In January... I came back ready to run, and if you know me, I move pretty fast. I, I travel a lot for ministry. I, I do a lot of things. I coach sports with my kids. I'm physically active. I have hobbies. I, I, I engage in all kinds of, of different things. Like I'm just a fast-moving person, but for the first time in my adult life, I was sick for and missed work for two weeks like I was just laid out for two weeks I couldn't even show up to preach if if some of you remember I actually had to just film my sermon it was the first time that I just filmed a sermon to play uh, on, a, on a weekend 
all I could do was just lay in bed and, and really pray and study the word. Like I'd do that most of the day. And then uh, after hours of that, then that's when someone had shown me the chosen videos. I, man, I highly encourage you to watch those on VidAngel, this uh, story of, of Jesus just depicted so beautifully. What I found as my life was so narrow is this incredible experience of having this reawakening of first love of Jesus. I mean, there were just moments that I would cry because his presence was so real and having everything stripped away. It was just like, wow, I really gotten distracted. And, and I just noticed as I had time, I just loved, I was devouring the word and I was loving being with him. And, and, and then people even told me, like I, I preached this message on video and I was worried, how will that be? I mean, that was before everyone had changed to just preaching on, on to cameras all the time. And so many people came and said, wow, I was so impacted. Like I could feel your love for Jesus. Isn't that interesting how pruning and narrowing can help us center our love on Jesus. That's my greatest challenge to you, is don't leave this time. Like, don't just add all these things to your plate. Find Jesus first. He is abundant life. He wants to be with you. He wants to meet with you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to feel his presence. The second is love your neighbor. And, you know, we've, we've been forced at as so many distractions and so many activities and the speed of our life has slowed, we've had to come to grips with how am I doing in loving who I live with? So if you're married, how am I doing at loving my spouse? You know, a lot of marriages are going a lot deeper and some are much more painful. Uh, the same with how, how am I doing at loving my kids and, and having more time, like it's me and my kids, like I'm there with them. Or, or how am I doing at loving my roommates? I... I I want to encourage you, if it's been hard, uh, don't just say, okay, I'm bailing from this season. No, here, here's the simple step. Just repent. First, repent to God. God, I haven't loved people. I, I have found myself repenting so much over this shelter in place time because so often I haven't liked what's come out of me. I've repented. God, oh, I want to be more of a servant to my wife. Oh, Lord, I want to be more patient with my kids. Repent to him first. Ask him to change you. Then go repent to those that live with you. Let's finish this, this last part of this race by being more committed to loving those we're around and then saying, Lord, and then as I re-enter, really what's more important in my workplace than even doing my work is how I love those around me. Like the, the work is temporal, the people are eternal. The same with your, your, as we finally get to go back to schools, when that happens and we go back into our activities, just remember it's all about loving people first. Well, the second thing that, that I, I really talked about and, and, and started praying about was this phrase, give generously. I, I love this scripture in, in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm doing something really bold today. I'm actually putting give generously before prayer and before proclaiming 
and before discipling. Wow. Okay. You know, I wouldn't have done that for years, but now 20 years into ministry and leading a church, I'm convinced that there's a reason that Jesus talks about money more than even he talks about prayer, more than he talks about discipleship. And it's for this reason. Whatever has our heart is the direction our life will go. And, and he says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. And I've become convinced that if we're not free with our finances, we're not free to love Jesus and love people like he's called us to. Uh, I've been so encouraged. I, I don't know if you know this, but the last two months have actually been some of our best in the history of our church financially. Like so many of you have responded with generosity. As the world got tighter and you got squeezed, how did you respond? You said, I'm going to put Jesus first place. Like more people tithing and giving than ever. And because of those things, we've been able to do amazing, amazing things like feeding 3,000 families in the southern tip of Mexico or 200 pastors' families in Tijuana. We've met, we've met so many needs in our community through our COVID relief fund. Like, thank you so much. But I also want to challenge some of you that hasn't been your story. Don't leave this season without establishing the, the priority of putting Jesus first in your finances. You don't wait until your finances get in order to start tithing to give your 10%. No, do that first and then watch the blessing and covering of God come on your finances. Don't wait until someone asks for money. Look for needs to meet and watch how God will bless you. Get, get, let's, get that, let's get that in order before we return into this next phase of life. Well, the third is this. It's pray persistently. Like I've said, one of the, the blessings I've had is more time to pray. And I mentioned this, this endeavor in Mexico where we got to feed 3,000 families. Like, here's the story behind the story. When we went into this situation and knowing the world was going into crisis, I just started asking, God, I, I don't want to do something just to feel good about ourselves. Like, Lord, help us meet a real need. And it was amazing how God just sent this need right in front of us. And then as we prayed and said, Lord, open up the doors, all of a sudden someone is, is, is volunteering a semi-truck that we could fill up and other ones are stepping up to lead. And then another ministry is saying, we want to connect you with connections in Mexico. And the doors just started flying open. Like it's so exciting. We really build the kingdom of God through our persistent prayers. One of the opportunities I had over COVID is just some, some more time to catch up on some movies that people had recommended. And so Stephanie and I watched the movie War Room. Oh my goodness, I highly encourage you to watch it. it it's a story of a woman who's in a, in a very challenging marriage and there's an, uh, seemingly affair and it seems like her marriage is gonna end. And then she's really apprehended by a faith-filled mentor who teaches her to go in her closet and fight in prayer. And the unfolding of it is just beautiful. I mean, there were numerous times where, where I was just crying. It, 
it touched me so deeply once again of, of how the most powerful tool we've been given as followers of Jesus is prayer. I, I saw this just this past week in my life. Um, I would imagine like most of, of you, I had this relationship that was really damaged, really broken, and very painful for me. And one morning, God just put on my heart to pray for this person, to, to freshly forgive this person, to, and to start praying blessing over every aspect of this person's life. And then when I finished, I, I, I don't know, I just had this desire like, Lord, would you please, it seems impossible, but would you please restore my relationship? with that person. I, I prayed until I kind of finally felt the burden lift. It doesn't always happen this way. But do you know that afternoon, that person called me and we had the most loving one hour conversation. And I got off as light as a feather. And that night it hit me, oh my gosh, Lord, like you completely answered that prayer. Prayer does the impossible. Another thing I've loved so much is meeting with my life group consistently over COVID and, and um, what we've really just spent our whole time doing is just sharing prayer requests and praying. But really almost every week, someone in the life group has started by saying, well, I, I just want to share with you what has happened uh, from, from last week and they've shared whether it was someone getting a job or a financial breakthrough or a, a relationship mending or, or a, a door opening for uh, foster children uh, or, or a breakthrough in, in, in parenting teenagers. I mean, just week after week, it's crazy when we start focusing in on prayer, how many times God answers, don't leave this season without letting prayer take priority in your life and learning to be more persistent and consistent as we have some time. So in this movie, War Room, I, I, I just, I love this scene because there's this breakthrough and, and, and the woman that, I'm, I'm gonna totally ruin it here, but the woman who looked like she was gonna get a divorce and her marriage was hopeless. Like God just does an unbelievable shift. And, and I mean, it's not Hollywood. I've seen these things. I've seen these things as a pastor, but, but I love it because the mentor grandma, she just, she just starts going off. She's like, God, you're so good. You, you won again, Jesus. You, oh, um, I, I want to, I want to just take you into this clip for a second. I, I just want to show it to you. He did. Well, what did he say? Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh. See, I told you, Elizabeth. I told you that God would fight for you. Oh, Jesus. All right, baby, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> devil. You just got your butt kicked. My God is faithful. And my God is powerful. And my God is in charge. You can't fire him and he'll never retire. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. My God is good. My God is good and he's faithful. You know, the, the scripture says this. 
for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. My, my, my fourth practice that we need to put into our, to our lives is proclaim proudly. Like we got, we've got to be a people that proclaim Jesus proudly. And it just breaks my heart because I feel like there's so many Christians that are ashamed of Jesus or they're, they're, they're embarrassed about being a Christian. But I, I love this scene where this woman is like, that's my God. That's who he is. And, and, and I just pray for you that you would have this revelation of like, God, you saved me when I didn't deserve it. Oh, God, you redeemed me when my life was worthless. Oh, God, you loved me when I was unlovable. Oh, God, you provided for me when I was in need. Oh, God, you healed me when I was sick and in need of healing. Oh, God, you gave me hope in a hopeless situation. Oh, God, you broke through in an impossible situation and that you would be so overflowing with praise and pride in God that you just have to talk to to everyone about him. And, and, and you just, you couldn't help but share about he who has saved your soul and transformed your life. Oh, that, that is how the city is going to be won when we're proud to proclaim who Jesus is. And I just pray that that's how you'd re-enter into your normal life. Well, lastly, let me finish with this. Disciple diligently. Disciple diligently. This is what the scripture says. Matthew 28, 19. It's called the Great Commission. It was like Jesus' last big charge to his followers. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the, the age. It's crazy to me how this is the great commission and how many Christians have disregarded this. Here's what I've seen after 20 years of ministry, that whenever I find a Christian whose life is absolutely transformed, like you can tell they've been with Jesus. Like they look and talk more like Jesus. And unfortunately, that's not every Christian. I mean, unfortunately, I find many Christians, they're really not different. I mean, they proclaim Jesus and they'd say they're a Christian, but they're just as anxious. They're, they're, they're just as judgmental. Uh, they have a lack of peace. Uh, they're just as worldly and materialistic. And there's no difference. But then you find some that you're like, oh man, like there's something different about the, the, this person. You know, I find behind every single one of those, there's a secret ingredient. And that ingredient has been the Great Commission. It's been discipleship. Like all of them, they had someone older and more mature in their life that they always look back to and said, this person was a role model to me and they spoke into my life and they helped me and they trained me. And then I find that almost all of them, then they know what they've been given, so they pour that into someone else. I mean, how else could Jesus take rough, coarse, untrained fishermen and, and tax collectors? Like tax collectors were the scum of the earth back then. How could he take these people 
and use them to transform the world and that people would look at them and say, you are Christians, which means little Christ. Why? It's because of discipleship. It wasn't just some good teaching. No, it's because he actually was intentionally living his life and pouring in and correcting and training and rebuking and, and counseling and moving them forward. That's the ingredient that I see that changes life. I mean, that's, the, that's the, if you want to know, that's really the secret sauce of all peoples. I, I, I want to challenge you. Don't leave this shelter in place without finding a mentor and then finding a mentee. What, what do I mean? I mean, without contacting someone, like it's your responsibility. The way I've been disciple life is I went and found someone and said, will you invest in me? Actually, it took many different times of asking people before I finally found someone. But now I've been blessed with several guys that have poured into my life that have absolutely transformed me. And then looking to other people, just, at least just one, and say, this is, this is a person that I'm going to pour my life into. Because the Bible says this, I pray that you'd be active in sharing or imparting your faith so that you would know every good thing you have in Christ. You'll never grow until you're being poured into and pouring out. You know, when we get these five practices in our life, that is when we start living the abundant life that Jesus talked about. I mean, so many Christians are like, you know, Jesus says abundant life, but I don't have it. It's because we're actually not doing what he's asked us. And, and here's what I know is some people say, but bro, that's not me. I, I, I'm not like a spiritual person. No, and that's just where I go back to that weight system in my garage. Because that's not me. I'm not good with my hands. But they're... they're there comes a time where we just really have to realize, no, but there's, there's a calling. Jesus gave this to all his people. And, and if he spoke these things to all his followers, then what it means is that he's going to give you the grace and the strength to live it out. And just as there's been such a reward, not just for me to get to, to be more healthy by using my weight system, but then taking my son alongside with me and seeing the tremendous growth, and him, I want to tell you that you are going to feel so rewarded when you're walking in the divine destiny that Jesus created you for. And even more, the world around you, that's when it starts getting changed. That's when we become an unstoppable church is when we're doing these practices through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the grace of God that Jesus has called us to. Don't leave this season without letting God shape you into the person he destined you to be. Let me pray for you. Lord, for anyone that's listening today that hasn't found you as their Lord and Savior, it's not, it isn't about doing, it's about looking to you. And the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Let them just call out, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and come into my life and let them Make that decision right now because you say they'll be born again. But Lord, for all of us, it's not that we just need your grace in that moment. It's we need it day by day to live out these practices that you call us to. And when we do, we find that we're living the abundant life and that the world around us is getting changed. I pray you give great grace to my friends in this last time of this peculiar season. As things are changing, let us lay hold uh, of these practices that you're calling us all to. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I can't wait to be with you soon.